You need today to have permission to forget your past. That does not define you. Yes, it got you to where you are today. For better and for worse, you would not be here in this place today if it was not for those things. But if you continue to live in those things, you will never come up on what's to come. You need to begin by forgetting your past. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. My name is Adam, and I have the joy of being the pastor here at The Point. Thank you for being here with us, both in person and online. We have been in this series about the book of Philippians, this letter written by a man named Paul to a church in a city that was struggling. You see, the church was struggling because they were torn between two identities, their identity as a Christian and their identity as a citizen of the kingdom of this world. At the time, it was the Roman Empire. And how do they live this tension of living both? And Paul, he writes to them as one who had been there with them at one point, who helped plant the church and establish the community of faith. And he'd gone on from there to continue to plant churches and share this good news, and his journey led him to prison. And Paul, from prison, writes to them to encourage them. And he gives them this one main task, your primary job as a Christian, as a person of faith is to live as one worthy of the gospel, to live as a citizen set apart from this world different than the rest of this world, to live not as a citizen who places your hope and your trust in the kingdom you're under or the emperor who's ruling you or the culture you're familiar with or the people you love. No, your hope is placed firmly in Jesus. Well, how do we live as these people? How do we live different than the world? Paul spells it out. Be humble. Consider others' interests ahead of your own. Consider their needs before your own. In this way, you will be like a citizen of the kingdom. Not only is it humility, Paul warns them and encourages them, rejoice in your sufferings. See, it's a warning because Paul expects they will suffer, but it's also an encouragement. When you suffer, you can find joy because our situation and our environment and the things we're experiencing do not need to be the thing that defines us. Rather, Christ defines us. Jesus and all of his goodness and all of the life that he gives and everything he's done, that can define us. And last week, as we began chapter 3, Paul, he spells out this really powerful message. He says, look, all those things we once held dear, 
those markers and identifiers of this is a good and godly person. This is a person who's got their life all put together. This is what it looks like to trust in God. Paul, he says, all of that is just garbage. None of it matters compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. You see, knowing Jesus and who he is changes everything. It no longer matters how good your past has been, what family you come from, how functional or dysfunctional you are. It no longer matters how much you know about the Bible or about faith. Knowing Jesus, it no longer matters your nationality, your ethnicity, the culture of origin. No, what matters is one thing and one thing alone, Christ. And this is where we're going to pick up today in chapter 3. See, in chapter 3, Paul, he continues this argument, if you're to live as a citizen of the kingdom, how do you do that? What does it look like? Now, it could be really easy reading that list of things that Paul boasted about himself in the first half of this chapter. It could be really easy to see all the ways he says, look how great I am, to mistake Paul's intentions. And Paul, he clarifies those here in the beginning of this second portion. You're welcome to follow along in physical Bibles if you have them or on your phone. Or you can find this scripture at thepointknox.com there under the resources. Uh, you're welcome to follow along. Here's what he says. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see, he begins picking up where he left off. All of these things that I'm giving up, that I count as garbage, all of this stuff that no longer matters is so that I can obtain a righteousness, which last week I defined as a right standing with God, a righteousness that comes not from my own doing, but from his. This is all of this is so that I can obtain not only this righteousness, but the power of the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul's goal is that death itself would be defeated. Paul's dream, his vision, is that in Christ there is a life to be had that extends beyond this life. And I'm not talking going away to clouds and floating in heaven where everything's magical and calories don't count. No, his dream of a life to come was everything here and now made perfect. He says, look, this is what I'm holding out hope for. This is what I'm pursuing. And he begins, not that I have already obtained this. You see, Paul never pictured himself as having obtained that perfect state in faith. We often think that Christianity is a, a series of measurements, right? Like, how Christian are you? Well, I'm a new Christian. I don't know much. I've been a Christian for a while. I really know my stuff. I've figured out my mess, and I've cleaned up my behavior, and now I'm a good Christian. But that's not the way Paul sees Christianity. See, for him, Jesus is more than someone you believe in. He's more than just a God that you can confess to say, this is my God. Jesus is a real person, a person you and I can know. And you know what's incredible about people? You never know everything about them. There's always something more to learn. 
I'm not there yet. We're only about eight years into our marriage, but I've heard from couples who've been married 50, 60 years that the thing they find most surprising is they continue to learn new things about the other person. And I'm kind of terrified of that. Like, I don't know what Laura's going to learn 50 years from now. Maybe she'll realize she made a mistake. I'm not sure. But here's the deal. A relationship with Jesus, Christianity, is about more than just moments where now you're at the next step and the next level. It's this ongoing process, this journey of walking with this God who fully loves you, who would give himself entirely for you, who would be everything to you. And this God invites us on this journey. So Paul, he says, it's not that I've already obtained this perfection I'm striving for. It's not that I'm already there. In fact, Paul himself describes himself in this way. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. In other translations, it says, of whom I am the chief. Right? Paul describes himself as the chief of sinners. You guys might be bad, but I am much worse. Like, you guys might do some stuff you shouldn't do, but you have no idea the things I've done. This is how Paul describes himself. If we want to understand what's to come, what's next, what's lying before us, we have to begin with this. You and I are sinners. Period. And sometimes that can be used in the church in a way to condemn and shame and guilt and say, look how terrible you are. Stop it, you horrible person. But you know, there's a lot of freedom in just recognizing that you're a sinner because you don't have to try to be anything else. You don't have to try to fix your mess and clean it up or hide the things that if only they knew this about me. No, if only they knew that about you, they would know that Jesus is just that much better. Paul, it's not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. If we want to engage in this journey of becoming citizens of the gospel, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, if we want to engage in becoming the kind of people who live in such a way that the world sees in us something different, it starts with this recognition you and I are sinners. We're not perfect, we won't ever get there. There will never be a point in your Christian life where you stop sinning even for just a few hours or days. You just might change your sin. Maybe you're no longer indulging in excess with the things you were indulging in, but now you're prideful about how you're no longer indulging in those things. Or now you're selfishly motivated and trying to convince other people to be like you, right? You will never get to a place where you stop sinning. And that's okay. See, he says, I can make Christ my own because Christ has made me his own. Our journey with God has to begin and be centered in and end in this reality. We have been made his own. 
purchased with his blood, bought out of our slavery to sin and given new life in him. And this new life is not contingent upon us fixing our mess and changing our behavior and getting it right. It's simply contingent upon him being faithful to what he's promised to do. We sing all your promises are yes and amen, a verse that Paul writes elsewhere in scripture. But do we live like that's true? Jesus, you've made me your own and nothing will ever separate me from you. Period. He continues, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any If in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul, he continues this narrative to encourage the people of Philippi to live differently. And he says this, look, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward for the goal. Those of you who've been here for any period of time maybe have heard me talk about how much I love to hike. Have you heard me talk about how bad I am at it? (laughs) Now, like quite literally, I think on multiple long uh, overnight hikes, I've accidentally packed like 50 pounds of stuff because I didn't know what I was doing. Have you ever tried that? 50 pounds of stuff on your back for 10 miles? It's miserable. Especially when you did zero training and preparation and you're not used to wearing shoes at all. And so you're in hiking boots for those 10 miles with 50 pounds on your back. I tell you what, you watch me hike and I look like I'm a complete idiot. I'm slow, I'm clumsy, I'm tripping on everything, I'm exhausted. You're like, what is this dude doing? Should we call a medevac? (laughs) And every year I go on these week-long hikes and it's the highlight of my year, a time to get away and it's really wonderful. And all of a Sunday, we usually start Sunday afternoon until Friday afternoon and all of Sunday we're hiking the first two miles. I'm like, this is great. It's so good to be out here. I love this. Then we get to camp so I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we finally made it and we set up our camp. I'm like, this is wonderful. And then I wake up in the morning and I realize I've got 10 or 12 or 13 miles to go that day. And I didn't sleep that well the first night. I never sleep well that first night because, you know, I'm sleeping on the ground or on a wooden platform. Like, how comfortable can that be? And I realize what lies ahead. And it gets really hard really quickly. Because I look at the map and I see the journey we're going to be going on and I see this journey includes way more hills than I think it should. And you know what's the problem with every hill? You're going to go up it and then you've got to come back down it. Like our journey doesn't stop there on the mountaintop. There's all these valleys that we have to go through and getting from the mountaintop to the valley and then back up is terrible. But thankfully, I have something every single hike that I can look forward to to help me on this journey. Friday. (laughs) You see, on the last day of our hike, we usually finish at about noon, sometimes a little later. And as soon as everybody finishes the hike we find a local pizza place and we eat an unhealthy amount of pizza and we drink some cold beer and it makes the whole trip perfect despite the healing that's going to take weeks to come. (laughs) And so what happens almost every single week 
we get to Tuesday and I am realizing just how much I should have trained and how much I didn't need in my pack and how much I'm completely unprepared for this journey and have no idea how I'm going to get through the next 10 or 12 or 45 miles. And so I begin to put in my head and in my mouth this little phrase, pizza and beer, pizza and beer. (laughs) And I just keep going. And you know what I find? Just one more step and I get a little bit closer. And one more step and I get a little bit closer. And eventually I get to this beautiful overview where I can look out and see the mountains and see where we've come from and go, wow, we've made it this far. And I can look at the map and go, we're not even a third of the way there. But this is beautiful. And then I just keep going one step in front of the next. And almost every time come Friday, you know what happens? I'm the slowest guy at the start of the week and I am the fastest on Friday because I know what's coming. I know what's right there. I can almost smell it and taste it. There's victory in sight. And so I press on each and every step and I finish and I throw off my pack and I celebrate. I did it. Paul, he's describing this journey of faith And this is what he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of pizza and beer. I mean, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. For Paul, whether he's shipwrecked on an island whether he's imprisoned and starving, whether he's sick or being tortured and beaten, no matter what he faces. He says, this is what's before me. And so I press on. This is what I have to celebrate that's waiting for me. So I keep going. One step in front of the next. But see, in many of our Christian walks and our journeys, we don't do this. We want to press on to see what's there, but we forget the first half. Paul, he says, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward for this goal. You see, for many of us, we get stuck in the past. We get stuck in the things we've been in or the places we walk through in those valleys or those mountaintops, and we forget what lies ahead. You want to walk with God today? You need to learn to forget your past. And I don't mean to like completely forget it in the sense that you have no idea what you did yesterday or what you ate for breakfast yesterday. No, but so much more. You see, when we think about our past and we dwell on our past, it's easy to see all the things we did wrong and live in regret and to live in guilt and shame and condemnation. If only I hadn't made those mistakes. If only I hadn't indulged in those habits. If only I hadn't gone down those roads. Or sometimes we think of our past and we think, gosh, I wish I could get back to that place. Like I know who I am today and who I used to be was so much better and I just wish I could go back to those good old days and I could be that person again. But when we live in the past, We're unable to move forward to what's next. For Paul to forget the past is to see this future to come means no matter where I've been, it's not where I'm going. And to be honest, no matter where you go tomorrow, 
is not what's to come later. And so each and every day, this Christian walk, we get up and we forget the past. We leave it behind. Those sinful habits, we say, that's not who I am today. Those hurts and those hangups, when we find ourselves indulging in all this vanity and all these things, these pursuits that are empty, we say, that's not who I am. Remember, I've been baptized. I've been made new. Christ has called me into this journey and there's something more wonderful than pizza and beer waiting. There's something more wonderful than the pain that I've walked through. You need today to have permission to forget your past. That does not define you. Yes, it got you to where you are today. For better and for worse, you would not be here in this place today if it was not for those things. But if you continue to live in those things, you will never come up on what's to come. You need to begin by forgetting your past. We sometimes say these things like forgive and forget. When I speak of forgetting your past, I don't mean forgetting as if it never happened. But how does your past shape you? You see, on that hike that I go on, my past of these mountaintops and these beautiful fire tops or fire towers and these views and all these things, that past behind me gives me the strength to say, you know what? I've already done this. I can do it again. It also tells me I don't want to go back that way. So the only way to go is to keep going forward. I can't change the times I tripped and stubbed my toe. I can't change the things I wish I would have done. I can't lighten my load. I'm in the middle of the trail, but I'm going to keep going forward. To forget your past mostly means forgiving yourself. Are you willing to say that your past is not who you are today? Or that tomorrow there's someone better you could be? Not someone less sinful. You will still not be perfect. Someone better. Someone who finds this hope in Jesus a little more. The strength of community a little differently. The, the willingness to say, I'm not going to chase those indulgences. There's something better for me. Can you forgive yourself and let yourself live in the present? Let yourself live right here and now. God, I know where I've been before, but what are you doing today? Who are you right now? Not then, not in those places, but today. Who do I need you to be in this moment? And by forgetting the past, we can begin to strain forward for what lies ahead. And I appreciate that Paul says that we're straining forward. We're not frolicking joyfully like, this is great, right? I'm free of the past. No, no. We're straining forward. It is a trial and a difficult journey. You will not become who God made you to be without blood, sweat, and tears. But if you stay who you are right now, there'll be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that are wasted. You and I must strain forward and we must press on. So there's this twofold reality to become who God made us to be. We have to let go of where we've been and then we have to move forward. 
See, for many of us who say, that's who I was, but I'm afraid of who I could be. Or that's who I was, but now I'm really content not being that. And we get really complacent and say, I'm okay. I've been saved. I've been baptized. I've got a a good community. I do the right things. I'm pretty all right. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this is you miss out on the fullness of what's to come. And I'm not going to question your salvation. That's entirely a gift God gives to you that has nothing to do with anything you choose to do in your life. But I will say, if I find myself on that first mountain peak and I'm looking out at the valley and I'm saying, this is beautiful, and I decide to stay there and never move on, I miss out on the rest of the adventure that's to come. I miss out on all that God wants to show me and give to me in the things I've not yet experienced. So forget what lies behind and press on. Strain forward to something better. Oftentimes, what I find myself doing is not straining forward or pressing on, but trying to figure out how do I just make up and like fix what's here today so that it looks really good. Like, how do I give an appearance that other people think I've got it all together, even if I'm a total mess? Perhaps your next step in pressing on is the vulnerability to say, I have not been who I want to be, and I can't do this alone. I need someone else or a group of other people to show me what else is out there. There's a reason I don't do this hike by myself. I would absolutely quit on day one because I just don't care. Like nature's beautiful, but I can see nature in pictures just the same. (laughs) And I sweat way less. But I'm going with a group of guys, men who encourage me. Some of them can literally run laps around me and it's embarrassing. I don't know if you know Julian Buck. That dude could finish the whole 60 miles and come back to carry my pack and then do it again and still not break a sweat. But I go out there with these guys and I find myself in that community challenged. See, because they keep pressing on, I find myself saying, well, just one more step and I'll get there. And when I'm really tired and worn out, they're like, here, here's some energy. This will help. And they give me whatever I need to help me continue, perhaps for you to press on. You need to be willing to admit you've not been doing it well thus far. And find the help around you to press on. Paul, he continues, he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if if any of you think otherwise, that's okay, let God reveal it to you. It's like, I don't need to prove to you that what's to come is better than what you have right now. I'm just going to live this way and invite you into the journey with me. I just want to invite you into tasting that pizza on Friday. It's really, really good. Let me show you what it could be. Then he continues, brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Look, if we want to strain to press on, look for those who are doing it. Look for those who have wrestled with their past and their deep darkness and the pain and their anguish. Look for those who've been there. Say, how did you move from here to where you are now? And where are you going next? Imitate me. 
And I love this humble invitation of Paul's. See, we think join in imitating me is like, hey, look at how great I am. You should be just like me, right? No, Paul's saying, I am not perfect. What I want you to imitate is I'm on this journey with God. And wherever you're starting, that's okay. Wherever you come in at, just pick up and keep going forward. Because this upward call of Christ is better, I promise. Let's do this. And then he warns again, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. See, Paul warns, not everybody you encounter will press on. Not everybody you meet will forget their past. No, some will find glory in their shame. Look at the things I've done and how bad I've been and look at how how bad I am still today. And some will say, I've been really terrible, but at least I've not been like that guy. Paul says, look, there are those who no longer walk with Christ, but instead they walk as enemies of the cross. They pursue all the things this world has to offer. They're so focused on the here and now, they forget that there's something better still. He says, even with tears now in my eyes, I tell you, watch out for those people. If you're in a place in your faith journey and you're in a place in your life where you're really content and don't think you need to grow, you're missing out on what God has in store. My hope and my prayer is that you and I, none of us, will ever be content with where we are in Christ, but rather confident to press on. God, you are more. And as a result, you have more to do in me. And maybe it's not to do in you. Maybe the more he has is to do through you in the way you love and you serve and you care for others. Paul, he warns about those who are enemies. And then he continues. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Like we could live with our eyes fixed on the here and now. Fixed specifically on the things this world has to offer. If only I wear the right clothes or I dress the right way. If only I talk the right talk. If I act the right act. If only I have the right job. If only I, you fill in the blank. And we can chase all these idols that will leave us empty. But for Paul, he says, look, we are citizens of a different kingdom. We don't have to bow down to the government over us. We don't have to look to the government to fix our problems. We don't have to live as champions of the culture of this world. We can be different because we have a king who's different, who reigns over all the world unlike any other. And because of this, we know that he will return. And so we can await that time. We can look forward to his coming. 
We can press on through whatever suffering or sorrow or trouble may come. We can press on because we know the end is coming. And it's really good. It's good for you and it's good for me. See, if this Jesus has the authority to put all things under himself, if he has the authority to make the sun and the moon bow down before him, surely the things he speaks about you or speaks over you or the things he's wanting to do in you or the future he has for you, surely those things are better. So Paul, he challenges the people of Philippi, forget your past and strain forward for what lies ahead. It's gonna be worth it. This is my hope and my prayer for you today. If you find yourself stuck in your past, let's talk. Let's help you get unstuck from that place, that sinful behavior or thought process or even those patterns that are destructive in your relationships. Let's help you move forward. And if you find yourself today moving forward, pressing on, looking to what lies ahead, who can you invite to join you? Come, let me show you what life with God could be like. It's really worth it. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that your son came, God, to give everything for us, to show us what's to come, that all authority in heaven and earth comes from you. You have all authority to give us a new name, a new identity, a new purpose, to take all of our past and redeem it and give us a glorious future. So God, I pray you would help each one of us today to strain forward to what's to come, to press on for the upward call of knowing you. I pray that you'd give each one of us today the ability to forget our past, to no longer live in chains bound to the identities we held to or the shame we walked through or the sin we were stuck in, but God, instead to say we are made new only in you. And help us, God, to be a people who invite others to join in imitating me and to press on in this journey that we do not obtain perfection, but we see your beauty along the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we're going to collect an offering If you are not familiar with why churches collect an offering, it's really simple. We collect an offering in this place as an opportunity to trust God in all things, even our finances. And if you don't want to do that today, that's okay. But if you came prepared and you say, I want to trust God in every little piece of my life, you can give in the popcorn buckets with cash or check in the back of the room when you leave, or you can give online at thepointknox.com. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Well, this is the part of the service where I get the joy of responding to your questions and usually being stumped by you. Um, But before you pull up the questions, just in case, uh, it's been icy and cold and snowy in lots of the country for this last week. And my parents live in Minnesota, which is icy and cold generally. (laughs) And uh, so just in case they're watching online, happy birthday, mom. 
And if they're not watching online, I get brownie points anyway, I hope. <laughs> um, there are only two questions today, actually. That's pretty um, simple. The first one is not even a question. If hiking for pizza and beer excites you, the Domino's app will blow your mind. Oh. I can't have that app because it's dangerous. <laughs> I also have to live fiscally responsible. Also, based on the Facebook comments, everyone's craving pizza now. So You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for a that. A dopo across the street opens at like three, so just hang out for a few hours. It's great. <laughs> um, second question. On Ash Wednesday, everybody got ashes except Pastor Adam. Who gives the pastor at ashes? Well, that was just a mistake. I actually asked somebody to give me some ashes because I wanted to... Uh, have that remembrance as well. And then I got caught up in a conversation and he had to take my son home so my son wasn't too tired the next day. And it just kind of worked out that it didn't happen. But uh, normally I would ask somebody else in the church, um, usually somebody that I look to as like an example that I want to follow after. And I say, hey, will you also do these things for me? So when it comes to communion, maybe you've noticed I don't take communion myself, but I ask somebody else to give it to me. Because communion, part of what makes it so beautiful is it's not something we take for ourselves, but a gift God gives freely to us. And so who gives Pastor Adam these things? Usually somebody else, unless I get caught up in a conversation and <laughs> then forget and things like that. So last week, there was a question that I said I'd respond to with point leftovers. The question was, if uh, Satan was the angel of light, how come we have all these images of him in red with pitchforks and things like that? And I said I'd respond on a point leftovers on Facebook and the week got away from me and I forgot. So if that was your question, I'm still going to respond this Wednesday. There will be a video for sure uh, responding to that question. So uh, you can text in your questions every week. You can text them in during the week, and we'll do our best to respond. And if we can't on Sunday morning, we will later in the week online. Now, today we're going to end a little differently than we normally do. Here in a moment, I'm going to give you the same blessing I give each week, and then we're going to end with a song. And maybe as you hear the song and you sing along, you will hear the reason we're ending with this blessing you see, this blessing is a gift given for those who are called to be priests, called to go into the world and demonstrate this life of faith for the people. And the reason we end this way each and every week is you and I are called to live this life worthy of the gospel, to go with this blessing as people who are good examples for the world to see. And so I'm going to give you the blessing and we're going to sing this song. You're welcome to sing along, to stand or to sit. If you need to leave, you can, but I plan on enjoying this song as well. Will you join me in that? Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.